Earlier today, I Panic. texted you guys, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, that there was a story, a personal story that I wanted to share with the both of you. And much like Corby's, and if you missed it a couple of segments ago, it's one of the most powerful things that I've heard on this radio station in some time, if not ever. And I will be tweeting that out from the DFW Ticket Twitter page oh. here soon. Good. If not later. Um, and it has to do with kind of the continued dialogue that we've had over the last couple of days. And if nothing else, gosh, it definitely has, I think, individu- as individuals, it made us kind of get a little introspective. And and I think collectively, we all want to do better and, and, uh, and be conscientious and empathetic to... The war, you know, the, the the things that are that are influencing the world that we live in now, and what's been going on the last five or six days. Amen. You know, I love this city. I really freaking love Dallas. I love uh, the Metroplex, and I love all the different corners of it and the different cultures. And yes, I think we all have felt that it's too special to just lit watch it burn. I'm just saying, uh, you know, and I, I, I don't even mean in terms of uh, demonstrating or rioting or however you want to describe it. I mean, just as a as a uh, society, I love what this city has, and I also love what it can be. So I think I remember how I worded it, but I'm sure the bad the bad people that live in this country, and we've talked about this as kids. And when you see little kids, if you put two children together in a room, let's say one is white and one is black, they don't know the difference. No. I think you were born clean when it comes to that flaw, which I truly believe is passed down. It is learned. It is a belief system that is presented to you from an authority figure, whether it be an, a, a parent, a friend's parent. Um, some type of propaganda that sucks you in. I think a lot of it happens because people feel alienated and they want to feel part of something. They want to feel part of a group and, and they want to feel powerful and they believe some of the propaganda and rhetoric that is presented to them by people that they grow up trusting. True. And, I, I think that I was born that way. I think I was born clean and clear with not that in my heart. Now, my upbringing was a little weird. I was adopted when I was almost a year old. And two, two parents, much older than me, they were, my mom was in her 40s. My dad was in his mid-late 30s. And they were from Texas, from the, I don't know what you would call it, North Central Texas area like Vernon, Crowell, up near close to the red. And their parents were Texans as well. Did they move there because there was the that was the only all you can eat KFC in Texas? (laughs) No, I don't even think there was a KFC out there and there probably still isn't. But definitely Southern people, people that grew up in the South, a long lineage of Southern folks, Texans, and my father in particular grew up very hard his my grandparents on his side people that i only had a a handful of interactions with they were tough 
they were old school, dug in their ways, and they had no problem letting you know what they thought about folks that were not of their same skin tone. Yep. I think a lot of that was passed down to my father. He was not as bad as them, but it was not uncommon to hear maybe lighter versions of those belief systems espoused around the Bayless household growing up. And I think back to when, um, so I was saying I was adopted at about a year old. My father was in the Navy and we moved around a lot before my parents divorced when I was 10, settled in Knox City where I went to grades 5 through 12. But prior to that, I went to about, I think, between 8 and 10 different schools before I was the age of 10. That's so hard. It was. But some of my fondest memories were um, when I was in kindergarten and first grade when we lived in Memphis, Tennessee. Memphis, Tennessee. That's where he met Elvis. It's where I'm, it's, I did meet Elvis in 1973. But and Memphis, you were boxing in your front yard. <laughs> that's also where I was boxing. A lot of stories that you have heard replayed, um, I don't know, a hundred million times on the ticket <laughs> happened in the great city of Memphis, Tennessee. I love that city so much. Right. I went back there last year. Cold and, open tomorrow, oh, the story of Elvis. It's so, <laughs> so great. I love the city of Memphis. It is just a wonderful, wonderful place. And going back last year, the diversity the the cross section of societies that just commingle intermingle with one another it was just a wonderful it's a city with a real heart and more importantly a city with a real soul and i want to go back there as often as i can um but i was in first grade and this was probably in 1974 keep in mind in the city that killed martin luther king six years prior to me being in the first grade still fresh you know, wow, yeah. six years. 9-11's been 19 years ago, mm-hmm. and that still seems pretty absolutely pretty fresh. Yeah. Imagine living in the city where Martin Luther King was killed <laughs> six years prior. That's All wild, right? yeah. My first grade teacher was a, a wonderful young teacher, African-American teacher, and her name was Mrs. Cole. And she gave us an assignment, and it was to read whatever reading level book that was given to us or a story that was given to us about Martin Luther King. And I was to read this book and I was to write a book report on Dr. Martin Luther King. And I remember going home and my dad asked me what I was working on. And I told him, it's like, well, Mrs. Cole gave us an assignment and I'm reading this book on Martin Luther King. And in my chicken scratch first grade uh, printed, crappy, misspelled handwriting was supposed to turn in some paragraph on what I thought of the Martin Luther King book. And he said, oh, okay, Martin Luther King, huh? And I go, yep. And he, I don't know if this is the first time that I experienced any type of call to action or anything other than just hearing the words, hearing the jokes, a lot of those jokes yeah. when you're a little kid. And you also yeah. keep in mind, and I don't want to get too tangential here, but memories of when you're that age, you can. there are certain episodes yeah. that stand out. Yeah. Like right now, we can remember, I can remember what I did on you know, this past Sunday, basically from the minute I woke up until I went to bed. I can give you a rundown of my day. But this is one of those memories that sticks in my brain of, a, of about a 24-hour, 48-hour period. And my dad looked at me and kind of had a strange look on his face. And he goes, well, 
you can tell your teacher mm. that your dad thinks that mm. Martin Luther King did nothing other than stir up a bunch of S. And he said the S word. And this is my father. This is somebody that I looked up to. Somebody that I thought was the coolest guy on the planet. And that did not work inside. It, I knew it was it was not right. It, it felt toxic. Is right. that's the only the only way I can describe it? it Isn't felt, that weird that a little kid can sense that though? Yeah, it's no. I think it's beautiful that a little kid can sense that. It's like a little kid can sense a predator. Right. You yeah. know that it's not right. Yeah. So I finished the report and I turned it in the next day, and she came to me and asked me for my report. And I remember there was maybe some type of group discussion about the book. First graders, keep in mind, we're six years old. Yeah. Seven, maybe, whatever. Yeah, six. Yeah. And I remember repeating exactly what my father said to this teacher from his point of view, not mine. I didn't say that that's what I thought because I didn't know anything about the man right. until I got the assignment. And I said, well, my dad <laughs> says this. And I said the word in class. And I think they're on, on 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 the racist person trajectory. There is a way that you can go. And I believe that there's always a fork in the road where you make a choice. And that choice can be based on a number of things that I mentioned earlier. A need to feel like you're part of a group. A need to feel a certain way or... It's not because you have a inherent born hatred in your heart for people of a skin color other than your own. And I think this might it could have been one of those moments where I could have gone the other way. And the reason, and I've, I haven't thought about this a lot until maybe recent years, and I haven't told this story really to maybe more than two or three people in my life. Mm-hmm. But I told that teacher, I told Mrs. Cole to reset an African-American first grade teacher that I had what my dad told me what his opinions were about Martin Luther King Jr. And I said, my dad says that Martin Luther Luther King did nothing other than stir up a bunch of S. And I said the S word in front of a bunch of other six and seven year olds. And her response could be the reason that I'm not on that other on that other side. side. It could be because she did not scold me. She did not make me feel stupid for saying that. And more importantly, she did not belittle the man that I that I idolized. She said that, well, people have different beliefs. And your father has a right to believe what he believes. And then she asked me, what do you think about Martin Luther King Jr.? And I told her, I was like, he was a great man. I thought he was a great man. And it seemed like he did a lot of really great stuff for black kids. And I think that's, you know, the right, I don't remember six. word for yeah, word, yeah, yeah, but yeah. Yeah. I, I remember having a positive review of the book and a favorable uh, opinion of the great late <laughs> Dr. Martin Luther King. And she said, all right. And she goes, and it's okay for you to feel differently than your dad. And that was it. Wow. Which, by the way... That was that was it. That was it. Yeah. And this coming from an African-American woman, 
being so cool, That's wild, so man. understanding, yeah. and realizing that in front of her was an opportunity. And she did such an amazing thing for me that did I go through life while I was still around that stuff in my family? And did I call it out as a five to 10 year old right? and say, dad, I hate it when you use that word or that's that joke's not funny. Dad's brother or (laughs) you know what I'm saying? No, no, of course not. I was complacent with a lot of that stuff, but I knew I knew it was wrong and I knew that it was okay for me to believe and know that that crap was wrong. And I give her the credit. I mean, I don't know where she is today. We moved after um, the summer uh, of my first grade year going into second grade and went back to California. I don't know what happened to her, but I don't know what I would have done if she had shamed my dad and said, well, your father He's is a racist piece of crap. Right? Yeah, no, it's... and 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 I don't and I can't believe you came in here using that type of language. Martin Luther King was a great man, and your father's a moron. If she'd have said that, that's a what, lot. What, what does a kid do? He's going to defend his dad, yes, and be like, "Whoa, this mom hates my dad for what he said." Well, I love my dad, therefore she's wrong. Dad's right, and it could have been. Something something as simple as that for my brain to think a different way. And that, so the point being That's incredible. What Corby was talking about earlier in talking to his kids about this stuff, it matters. It freaking matters because kids idolize you with your flaws, with all of your your lack of, of parental parental ability that you think you may Lack of coolness. Lack of coolness (laughs) that you may think that you have or not have in your mind. They they listen to you. They are emotional sponges. They watch you. They hear the things you say. And when you sit down and talk to them and hold their hands and look them in the eye, they're paying attention. And if you're one of those people that are listening right now that falls on the side of where my father did, I pray to God that your kids have another figure in their life that was as detrimental potentially detrimental as mrs cole was to mine yeah and like i told you guys i haven't told that story to maybe two or three people in my life and it's something that i never really put the pieces together until the last few years when we're seeing a lot of these videos that we're seeing and we're seeing the unrest and we're seeing the division and we're seeing how far apart that that this country can appear sometimes when it comes to these issues and I don't know what took me back to that, to take me back to that place, but... That's a I, life-altering first-grade teacher, I man. didn't realize how much that that probably, and that not possibly, but probably mattered in me growing up and developing. And it also tells you, too, as much as we, as much as teachers think, I can't get through, I'm not making a difference, <laughs> you know, as much as parents make a difference, teachers make a difference, too. And I think we've oh, all had yeah. a teacher along the there way that no has doubt. done... And I hate to just say that that's a given because it's not. Right. Because a lot of people don't understand that. No, that's super give, cool. Give them props and pay them more. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's... What else can you say? What a... Uh, Thank you, teachers. Yeah, what a story about just a decision where you can either be kind or you can lash out. She was super kind. Handled and, it. And Bob, I don't know if I could have been that cool, right? Like, could handled, you have done that knowing now? She was African-American. I know. That's wild. <laughs> I know. That's awesome, man. Yeah. All right, good stuff, Daniel. The ticket.
Get, Get ready, ready for an all-new all Hardline, Hardline segment. segment. It's time to step into the, the snake, snake Pit. Pit. And now, with something completely over the top, the host and star of the Snake Pit, Snake. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, and thank you, too. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you. Thank you! I will take you all the way back to our past history, known as Last Week, when our Twitter feeds exploded. Boy, did they. Because a young man sent us this piece of audio. His name is Easton Wolf. The audio comes from a speech from Graham High School, located just west of Fort Worth, over there in the Mineral Wells Possum Kingdom area. And young Easton Wolf is, said valedictorian of Graham High School. This was part of his valedictorian speech. Senior year has been a blur, and I always found it so cliche when people said high school flies to make the most of it, but it's true. You know, this, this year has been a learning experience, to say the least. I mean, I learned how the stock market works. I made some close friends. I preached at my church. And I even learned that my dad had a pig when he was younger in Breckenridge. Yes, a pig. So my dad's pig found, its, found itself smart enough to hop over the, the barrier from his pen to the next pen and eat all that pig's food, and then go to the next one and eat all that pig's food, and the next one and eat all that pig's food, and make its way back in time for when it was my dad's time to feed him. Well, apparently he had already eaten three meals and would be sitting there waiting for my dad, and my dad would feed him and he'd eat that. That's why he gained so much weight and got sifted at the fat stock show. Senior year has been a <laughs> Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, on our phones right now, <laughs> Easton Wolf. Darn. Snake, how are y'all doing? Easton, how are you, my friend? Oh, I'm doing just fine. <laughs> just Our, fine. You know, even better, you know, right now. Of course, of course. Now, uh, you are 18, I'm to guess? Yes, sir. 18 years old, you are the number one ranked human being academically out of your high school of Graham. Class of how many? 147. Damn. What kind of GPA gets you a valedictorian these days in Graham? You know, I'm going to be honest, Mr. Strum. I don't (laughs) even remember. I think 4.6 something. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. All right. Somewhere around there. Yeah, yeah. And and that's uh, well above uh, perfect, yeah? I guess you could say that. Did a little extra credit, didn't you? Now, uh, where are you headed to school next year, Easton? University of Alabama. Oh, Oh, wow. How about that? Just going to cherry pick a couple of natties right off the sheet, right out of the chute, right? Running back? Exactly. You know, and how, and how do I, is it bandwagoning? That's a real question. Is it bandwagoning now that I'm officially, you know, a student? At University of Alabama. No. I was thinking about that. No. I don't think it is either. No. Of course it is. Did you get some sort of scholarship? Yes, I did. I got a um, I got a, a big one for my engineering and then uh, for some honor graduate thing. Some dumb honor thing. Yeah. Easton, congratulations, my that's, friend. We are no, so very, very on board with the young P1s. who are going to see that speech and re- take all of it away from him. All right, so let's get a little background on you. When did you start listening to the radio station? Okay, so short answer, my whole life. Um, my dad and one of his good friends, the late 
great. David Sanders uh, listened to for about they they've been P ones. My dad has for about twenty one years now, and so naturally I just grew up listening to y'all. And um, I I mean literally. When did you I get go, it? When did you start like saying, okay, this is not some dumb thing that my dad listens to. It's actually kind of fun. Um, that's a good question. You know, I I think. I was probably probably when I started saying and and laughing to my dad's bits and you know little you know pieces of ticket audio that I understood. Yeah. So probably there. Okay. And you've been obviously listening long enough and paid enough attention to absorb several things, including my pig. <laughs> <laughs> so at what point did you decide to work in my pig into your valedictorian speech? So. The very first or the very second semester of freshman year, um, I got my transcript that said rank one. And I was thinking, you know, man, that'd be that'd be cool if I kind of did a bit. Uh, if, if, you know, granted, if I kept the number one spot. And as the time kind of came to about last year when the other valedictorian was speaking, I was thinking, how am I going to? put a ticket drop or a ticket bid in here. So it was kind of down to like three options. Yeah. Um, Regonk. <laughs> um, my pig, of course. And then I somehow wanted to get in about how uh, Jer's two foot or two inch missed putt. Like <laughs> open. But, you know, I couldn't quite get that in there. And I also didn't want to get Regonk because I didn't want them to think I was too crazy. Yeah. So I just, you know, I had to go with the the absolute classic, my pig. And Danny, I'm sorry you've heard that thousands of times, but you know, I, I had to. I had to carry on the legacy well, to the newer generation. I have two, a comment and a question. One comment is for a man who claims to have learned the stock market. Your IQ kind of sounds like it took a nosedive as you're reading my Correct. ridiculous diction of the my pig story. And number Correct. two, how did it end? Like, how did you resolve that? Because the audio that we have just cut off at the end of it. Is there a follow-up on the fact question. that your dad raised a pig and it ate too much and got sifted at the at the stock show? How did that, how did that play contextually into your speech afterwards? Well, that was the whole deal. Um, first of all, I, I spoke at quite a few things before, but I haven't quite my pigged people. <laughs> so um, I was thinking, how can I implement that without people thinking I'm insane? They're lying out of my butt because family's listening, lying out of my butt or, you know, yeah, like you said, insane. So I was thinking, I'm just going to make up some things. Um, everyone thinks that there's like stock market, like just absolute multimillionaires these days. And they make a few money you know, a few bits of money. So I was like, I'll just throw in that I know about the stock market. I really don't. Um, I did preach in my church, but I just kind of threw things like, hey, I learned these things over the year. Uh. And I just made one out of my butt that dad, my dad had a pig <laughs> in Breckenridge. Got it. Which is, you know, very Knox City-esque. It is. It is um, believable. Yes. And, you know, that's the only deal is I had to do my dad's pig. It wasn't quite... A hundred percent. So that was just on a list of things that you had learned. Yeah. And think about, like, just how ridiculous, if you're just sitting out there and you're thinking, 
all right, this young man, he's going places, and oh, he's learning about the stock market and yeah, friends. Can, and if he could overcome his marijuana problem, he'll, he'll be yeah. he'll do great in life. <laughs> and then you just start launching into the fact that your dad did own a pig well, he and ate that. a lot of food. Yeah, He, he learned about that. And again, there's really no resolution to it. He just learned that his dad had a fat pig. Right. And that was part of and, high school. And I hate to say it was not a um, seamless transition to the next paragraph. <laughs> So I kind of had to ad lib a little bit. How'd uh, how'd your dad uh, take this at the risk of a bear trap? Oh, oh, he loved it. My dad, my dad loved it. Um, he was actually in a bear trap though because he was he was on team my pig and my mom was not. So, <laughs> oh, they knew this was coming. Yes. Okay. Uh, okay. The administration has to look through it, so like they don't think that I, that, that I don't say that I hate the school and right, stuff, right. You know, all that good stuff so i did it and it went through and um my mom was wondering you know no one's gonna get this i said mom that's that's what makes it so great yeah no one she's like you know she's she owns a, a real estate company here she's like you know maybe maybe we could talk about how like good for businesses you know we could get people working i was like or i could not take <laughs> or Option two, now, there mother. Is, there is a portion of the speech where there's a there's a cutaway, and there looks like a, to be a couple of your jackass friends that knew you were doing this because they start yeah. snickering and looking at their feet and looking at each other like, oh how, my God, he did it. Yeah, how many people knew that you were going to do this? I would say knew I was going to do it, maybe 10, maybe. Um, one of those guys laughing is the son to the great the i would say greatest most proudest p1 in young county jimmy question mark um i don't i don't know his last name i already forgot okay that's all right <laughs> sounds like a mobster that's okay yeah, hey, hey, hey jimmy question hey, mark you need, hey, you need to go see jimmy bills, question yeah. mark <laughs> and then oh, i the audience knew about uh, i would say about 7 people knew of like they heard it and their eyes you know their their eyes kind of lit up so how many everyone else thought i was insane how many of your friends because we have this conversation quite a bit and you may have been listening we were talking about it how many of you guys at this age or maybe within your high school listen to the radio station because we're wondering you know what our audience where it spans how big it is how young it is how many of your buddies listen so i actually proud to say i've got quite a few of my buddies uh to listen to it um especially whenever we worked in the summers. But I, it's, it's actually not too far-fetched um, to, to go to, like, the new generation like this because a lot of us – I mean, I know a lot of people who listen to, like, myself included, podcasts and all this stuff on Spotify and all that. And, and you know, you open the um, Sports Day app, and it's essentially just podcasts, Yep. you know, of, of y'all. Uh, sometimes – when when Sturm's talking about how uh, he can't quite break eighty yet, I'm sorry to hear that, Mister Sturm. <laughs> I'm but, getting there. Easton's probably yeah, broken are, seventy. I, re- I respect it. You go low, Easton. Um. Well, how do I put this? Um. I won district a few times in my high school. Oh. I'm so snotty. I'm so sorry. That sounded. No. Like the biggest jerk. No, no dude. No. What Again, is it? It, it adds to the legacy of, of the great Easton Wolf. That's right. Who well, is? He is the P1 who, uh, the young P1 who my pigged his entire uh, class in town. And that's the other thing. And his, How many, valedic- and his valedictorian, valedictorian Steve. Yeah, you dude. Need to stop there. Um, 
Do um, you? How many? You said the town was there. How many people you think were actually in attendance at that at the graduation ceremony? I all I know is ninety eight percent capacity at our gym, and it was pretty big. And there was a lot of people who were watching on live stream. And I said the town because for whatever reason. Small towns love graduation being an <laughs> absolute beating. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Let's be honest here. I mean, your kid, you're excited to see that two seconds of walking across the stage with a diploma. And that's it. So, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, uh, they're just there pretending, maybe pretending that they're listening, there to support their, their kids. Um, and so there was probably, I mean, I would say a good chunk of our town was there. So, it's impressive. It really, really is. And uh, you clearly have got a great sense of humor. And, um, you know, hopefully this, as Jake said, too, I, I know you got a lot of response on Twitter as that thing started to blow up. Um, as Jake said afterwards, he's like, I would hire you tomorrow. So, you know, maybe uh, maybe stay in contact and we'll, well see. He's, what's... he's got an engineering future. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't, I was a history major. You can just waltz on into the ticket and was do what you want. Go on burrito runs for us as Who an knows? engineer. Who knows? Sure. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a very good point. You just you call you go collect national championships and uh, you come back and then <laughs> and, and stay in touch with us and we'll we'll see what we can do in the future. Okay. You thought about playing uh, for the tide? Good, you know, I talked to my good buddy uh, uh, Nick. Uh, y'all know him as Coach Saban. Yeah. Uh huh. He's yes, um, and he said, you know, frankly, we don't need. A five foot eight <laughs> white guy who weighs one seventy six. So I said, "Okay, Mr. Saban, I understand. I'll, I'll be on standby if you need me." There so you that's go. kind of all I got so far. So. Well, Easton, let me just say this: next time you talk to Coach Nick, <laughs> just tell him to be ready for uh, October second or ninth or whatever it is. Ooh, October ninth, Aggie Dad, because because uh, Kyle Field has a little something ready for him. Mm, Aggie Dad Sturm, I'll, I'll let him know. Okay. Yeah. Please. Oh, you know what? This is a great opportunity, too, to uh, maybe have your kids meet each other down there. Hey, now. Same age, right? And to think, my pig may have set this whole thing up. Right. That's you true. could be talking my to your kid. future son-in-law all based on I mean, my pig. My I mean, livestock career could spawn a wonderful marriage. I yeah. Mean, the, hey, correct. The engineering f- kid. I mean, yeah. smart. Imagine we could win the father-son tournament at, uh, Every at, time. at the club. <laughs> right? Got, got a district winner ringer here. <laughs> well, Easton, are you? Uh, what are you doing this summer? Are you working or anything? Yes, sir. I'm working. Uh, I'm actually working uh, doing drafting for for Southern Bleacher. Shout out Southern. Okay, cool. Well, listen, you are a legend, and uh, we appreciate uh, that wonderful moment in time. <laughs> Have a great summer, and stay in touch. Like I said, and we'll talk to you here down the road. Thank you, guys. See y'all. There See you go. Keep doing the Lord's work. Of course. The great Eastern Wolf. Look at that. What a good kid. A yep. valedictorian listens to us. I know. I know. It's pretty awesome. I mean, ruined graduation with that nonsense. He made graduation. Let's face it. He did. A lot of people probably think differently. And there were probably some grandmothers in there, too, going, what? Pig? Pig? I don't understand. (laughs) Why is Easton talking about the pig? That was the weirdest speech a steer has ever given us. (laughs) All right. The ticket. The ticket. The ticket. So I don't know if you guys have ever heard of the Twitter account known as Traces of Texas. Not only do we know about it, I believe, Danny... I discovered it. Yeah. Did you? 
Yeah, uh, we, not really. It, it had been in existence for years, but I'm a huge champion of that. And we did a account. Segment, it's all over the place. We did a segment about the guy who started it, and um, big results. He was very happy. When was this? this Before was me? Years ago. Oh, okay. oh yeah, yeah. Long, okay. long. I mean, what, Danny? Four or five years ago, probably. Something like that, yeah. yeah. It's a pretty cool follow, and it's, uh, you know, it's one of those that's uh, just kind of enjoyable when you happen upon something. And recently, at Traces of Texas rolled out the population and the ranking of the 10 largest cities in Texas in 1850. Did you see this? No. Okay. Well, if you'd like to play along, I would like to play. Yeah, I would. Uh, I would uh, enjoy maybe Danny versus Corby in a who can name more of the top ten cities in population in, in Texas 1850. in eighteen fifty. Richardson. All right, I'm going to go Galveston in there somewhere high. Number one is Galveston. Would you care to think? You would you care no one's to congratulating try on the population of Galveston as the largest city in Texas what in eighteen fifty. Eighteen fifty? Yes. I'll say forty thousand. You overshot by ninety percent. Oh my god, are you kidding? The largest city in Texas had a population of four thousand. What? One hundred and seventy seven. Okay. Galveston, number one. This is not that long. I know it's a long day, whatever. Oh, whatever, old man. Balls in your court, Danny. Really not. Go with El Paso. El Paso did not make our list. No, thank you. Uh, See how much sense that makes? Two through ten. Yeah. um, See, there's no oil. Just pick something. Wow. Jeez. Lord. Off to a real. Okay, he loses his turn. I'm going to go with San Antonio. Dallas. Dallas, not on the list. San Antonio's number two, 3,488. I'm going to go with Beaumont. Beaumont off the list. Oh, man, Tyler. Tyler, not on the list. Back to you. Well, you I mean, guys, we got a capital. How about Austin? You guys are bad at this. Austin, number nine, <laughs> with 629 <laughs> people. Lame. <laughs> Did they have a school then? Texas? Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, Bob. <laughs> I'm wondering if there was a university there, though. <laughs> All right. Uh, Laredo. Oh, no. oh, Waco. No, no. West. No. West. Where are the checks, man? They're they not there yet? yet. Okay, here's your top ten. I think Corpus Christi. Number ten, Corpus Christi. Population? Uh, 204. Laredo. Five, 533. Still no. I already said Laredo, you dumb butt. <laughs> All right. San so- Angelo. I'm no. just thinking all a port port town. So yeah. Beaumont was a good guess. It's a fantastic guess, but it's not on the list. No, Port Aransas. No, Brownsville. Ooh. Negative. All right, go. All right, number ten, Corpus Christi. Nine, Austin. Eight, Fredericksburg. Seven, Fredericksburg. Victoria. I guarantee you, Fredericksburg was still lame. Never oh, heard the, of it. Let's go to the bed and breakfast in Fredericksburg. Six, Gonzalez. Where's that? South. Good guess. Five, Marshall. Yeah. Marshall? Four, New Braunfels. Ooh. Oh, the Germans have already been there. Three, a little place you've probably heard of called Houston. Oh, yeah, Port Town. Two, San Antonio. So they'd already named one a city after Sam Houston. Yeah. When he when he's still when he alive. Won, like he named it. When he beat the Mexican Army just, what, 15 years, 14, 13 years prior? 
Something like that. Is that right? So, so if you add up the top ten cities in Texas in 1850, you don't even get to twenty thousand people. That makes no sense, right? There's all right. a lot of land back then, dude. I'm going to blow your mind here. All right, that's okay. hot. Because fifty. So Galveston was number one. With 4,000. Yeah. So 50 years later, that's when the hurricane hit Galveston. That's the most well-known natural disaster this state's ever seen, heard, had. How many people died in the hurricane? Died. Wasn't it like 300 or something? Try 8,000. What? That died. Yikes. And there were only 4,000 people living there 50 years prior. It's like rabbits, man. That's insane. What a sad day. Doesn't it make you sad? Well, no. I guess. You've September had, 8, 1900. You've had time to get over it? Uh, Galveston was nicknamed the Oleander City, filled with vacationers, sophisticated weather forecast. Okay, yeah. It doesn't say how many people were actually living there. It had to have knocked out 70% of the town. Well... Thanks to Traces of Texas for getting us to yeah. think about Great that. Great follow, because the photos that they have of like old soldiers and just random people from just the late 1800s and early life. 1900s, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. yeah, they had one uh, today about uh, just showing like a, a drive-in diner or whatever for uh, like in 1972. Yeah. yeah. Had it not been for them, we would have never done the history of Tex-Mex segment. That's true. Car hop at Keller's Drive-In in Dallas. So you'll notice when they do post sometimes that they'll tag me or him like, hey, did you see this? Blah, 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 blah. They just tag celebrities like you? Well, no, because we we gave him a nice kiss and we became friends. In We're friends. House. But yeah, yeah it's a house. real Texas. It's Everybody but me. It's a great fight. <laughs> I know I want on this show that does Texas Cra- segments. Cray Trey. <laughs> Tim K. Yeah. Not right. you. 